Daniel chapter 6. And we're going to be reading the whole chapter. Daniel chapter 6. It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps to be throughout the whole kingdom. And over them, three presidents, of whom Daniel was one, to whom these satraps should give account, so that the king might suffer no loss. Then this Daniel became distinguished above all the other presidents and satraps, because an excellent spirit was in him. And the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. Then the presidents and the satraps sought to find ground for, uh, find a ground for complaint against Daniel with regard to the kingdom, but they could find no ground for complaint or any fault because he was faithful." and no error or fault was found in him. Then these men said, We shall not find any ground for complaint against this Daniel unless we find it in connection with the law of his God. Then these presidents and satraps came by agreement to the king and said to him, O king Darius, live forever. All the presidents of the kingdom and the prefects and the satraps, the counselors and the governors are agreed that the king should establish an ordinance and enforce an injunction that whoever makes petition to any god or man for 30 days, except to you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions. Now, O king, establish the injunction and sign the document so that it cannot be changed according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be revoked. Therefore, King Darius signed the document and injunction. When Daniel knew that the document had been signed, he went to his house where he had windows in his upper chamber open toward Jerusalem. He got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he had done previously. Then these men came by agreement and found Daniel making petition and plea before his God. And they came near and said, to the, said before the king concerning the injunction, O king, did you not sign an injunction that, any, that anyone who makes petition to any God or man within 30 days except to you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions? The king answered and said, The thing stands fast, according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which cannot be revoked. Then they answered and said before the king, Daniel, who is one of your exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you, O king, or the injunction you have signed, but makes his petition three times a day. Then the king, when he heard these words, was much distressed and set his mind to deliver Daniel. And he labored till the sun went down to rescue him. Then these men came by agreement to the king and said to the king, No, O king, that it is a law of the Medes and Persians that no injunction or ordinance that the king establishes can be changed. Then the king commanded, and Daniel was brought and cast into the den of lions. The king declared to Daniel, May your God, whom you serve continually, deliver you. And a stone was brought and laid on the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet and the signet of his lords, that nothing might be changed concerning Daniel. Then the king went to his palace and spent the night fasting. No diversions were brought to him, and sleep fled from him. Then, at break of day, the king arose and went in haste to the den of lions. As he came near to the den where Daniel was, he cried out in a tone of anguish. The king declared to Daniel, O Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to deliver you from the lions? Then Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the lions' mouths, and they have not harmed me, because I was found blameless before him, and also before you, O king, I have done no harm. Then the king was exceedingly glad and commanded that Daniel be taken up out of the den. 
So Daniel was taken up out of the den and no kind of harm was found on him because he had trusted in his God. And the king commanded and those men who had maliciously accused Daniel were brought and cast into the den of lions, they, their children, and their wives. And before they reached the bottom of the den, the lions overpowered them and broke all their bones in pieces. Then King Darius wrote to all the peoples, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth. Peace be multiplied to you. I make a decree that in all my royal dominion, people are to tremble and fear before the God of Daniel. For he is the living God, enduring forever. His kingdom shall never be destroyed and his dominion shall be to the end. He delivers and rescues. He works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. He who has saved Daniel from the power of the lions. So this Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus the Persian. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word to us. And we pray that you would show up. It's not going to make any sense or it's not going to make any sense that we'll last in our brains and in our hearts for any period of time unless you show up, God. Would you change us by your word? Would you make yourself more beautiful than anything this world has to offer? We know that you can and we know that you will. Would you do it by your grace? And it's in Jesus' name we pray. You've got to be kidding me. I've got to get out of here. Is what I said when I was on a date with a girl named Alyssa. Uh, You see, I I took Alyssa to a fancy restaurant. Um, We went on a fancy date to Chili's. Baby back ribs. Um, And I said, you can have anything you want on the two for 20 menu. Um, And then the waiter came up. I was like, yeah, water for her, Dr. Pepper for me. Um, But the day was going great. The atmosphere was great. There's music. Um, When all of a sudden, Megan walks in. I forgot that I had already made plans to go on a date with Megan on the same night, at the same Chili's. So uh, Megan sees me and, uh, at the table with Alyssa, and she turns around and leaves, is what I wish would have happened. <laughs> <clears throat> um, she, she sees me, she smiles and waves, and she's walking over, and, and like halfway um, as she's walking over, she sees Alyssa, um, and just this, her face had four phases. It went from happy to confused for a second, um, to a very quick, oh, and then <clears throat> anger. Um, and so Megan walks up and she grabs my Dr. Pepper, throws it in my face, puts the cup down, walks out, storms out. Is what I wish would have happened. <laughs> Megan sits down in the booth next to me <laughs> and traps me in. To which I say, You've got to be kidding me. I've got to get out of here. <clears throat> but I say that um, in, in jest um, to just say, like, if you and I are honest, like, life brings us to that point of internal dialogue, of internal struggle all the time. Like, we come to these different points in our lives and we're like, you've got to be kidding me. Like, I, I've got to get out of here. 
Um, I need a way out. My work stuff is falling apart. The season of marriage is way more difficult than I thought it was going to be. Um, the terrible twos, they're terrible. They're tearing me apart. Um, my health is deteriorating before my eyes. I just lost another family member. We don't have any money to pay the mortgage this month. Life brings all this mess, and you and I collectively say, you've got to be kidding me. You've got to be kidding me. What is going on? I've got to get out of here. And we say that. We say it for a reason. We want to be rescued. Especially me in that moment of sitting there. I wanted to be rescued. Um, nobody sits there and thinks, you know, I'm, I'm really looking forward to that next round of suffering that's coming. Like, that's going to be a great time. <clears throat> a lot of times the mess looks like the lion's den and we feel like we're falling slow motion through the air. We know we're about to hit the rocks and we know we're about to be chomped and eaten by the lions. You've got to be kidding me. I've got to get out of here. But I have good news. God delivers. God rescues. Not always uh, from circumstances or situations. Like I had no way out of that booth, literally. She sat there. Um, but think, think of deliverance. You'll see the word deliver. You'll see the word rescue. Um, you'll see the word uh, save. Think of, think of deliverance in this way. It's a rescue mission. We may hate the timing of it, and it may not be what we consider to be actually rescuing, but God delivers. God rescues. God's promise to you and to me is that if we endure in our faith, then he will deliver. So how do we do that? How do we endure in our faith? Well, we just follow Daniel's example in two ways. One, we endure in faith day to day. And two, we endure in faith through suffering. We endure in faith day to day in the seemingly small and insignificant times of life, the grind, and we endure in faith through suffering. Whatever suffering comes, because suffering is coming, it, it will come. But the promise is, from our text, that if we endure in these two ways, God will deliver. So let's just take a look at the first one. Um, endure in faith day to day. Uh, if you look at verse 1 of chapter 6. Now, the, the whole chapter of Daniel 6 was written for the exiles who are in this foreign and scary land, um, but it, it provided encouragement to the exiles of, how, how am I supposed to do this? Daniel was a great example of, for them to follow um, because they're being taken from their homes, they're being uh, darted or taken away and they're in a foreign land that's scary. They're under a new king and it's, it's, it's an odd time. What do they do? Well, they read something like Daniel 6 and they show, and Daniel 6 shows us to endure in faith day to day. So verse 1. It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps to be throughout the whole kingdom. And over them, three high officials of whom Daniel was one to whom these satraps should give account so that the king might suffer no loss. So uh, there's obviously corruption going on. Now, governmental corruption, that's like a, a foreign idea, right? Um, but think, think of checks and balances, much, much the way like America works, if, if America works, if you can say that. Um, then, if you 
Keep reading. Then this Daniel became distinguished above all the other high officials and satraps. Daniel was awesome in his job, but notice why. Because an excellent spirit was in him. Daniel's rise to power is not attributed to his natural ability or giftedness. It's not like he had this um, just awesome personality. Daniel's rise to power is attributed to the spirit within him. And then keep reading. Then Then the high officials and the satraps sought to find a ground for complaint against Daniel with regard to the kingdom. So the other government officials, governmental officials... Uh, They didn't like Daniel. Now, it could have been that they were jealous of the fact that the king was like, man, I I like this guy. I'm going to put him over the whole kingdom one day. Um, But most likely, like they they knew with Daniel being in charge, all of their corruption that they had, all of the the bribes and the money that they were stealing, like it wouldn't wouldn't fly anymore under Daniel's rule. So uh, this is what they tried to do. They tried to find something to complain about to the king um, so that they could get him fired. Um, and then in their plan, it turns out, like, well, it's going to be hard to get him fired, so let's just get him killed. Uh, so if you keep reading. But they could find no ground for complaint or any fault. Why? Because he was faithful and no error or fault was found in him. Then these men said, we shall not find any ground for complaint against this Daniel unless we find it in connection with the law of his God. So he does nothing wrong. All of his books are in order. All of his numbers add up. There have been no bribes taken. Daniel was faithful in his work. He's a model employee. So the officials are going to have to pit Daniel's faithfulness to God against his faithfulness to the king because that's the only way they're going to find anything wrong. If you keep reading. Then these high officials and satraps came by agreement to the king. They're not alone. They're doing this all together. And they said to him, O King Darius, live forever. So they're flattering him. They're just like, oh man, King Darius, live forever. Nobody lives forever, but live forever, man. All all the high officials of the kingdom, and I I love that they say all here. It's not all. One of them is missing. Daniel. Like they're they're just completely, they're like, hey, King, we're going to say, like everybody came to agreement on this one, all except for one. Uh, The prefects and the satraps, the counselors and the governors are agreed that the king should establish an ordinance and enforce an injunction that whoever makes makes petition to any god or man for 30 days, except to you, O king, just more flattery, shall be cast into the den of lions. Now, O king, establish the injunction and sign the document so that it cannot be changed according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be revoked. So these men found their way to bring Daniel down in connection with him and his God um, because they knew that although Daniel was faithful and he, there was no error or fault found in anything he had to do with his work, like he was faithful to the king, but he was never going to worship him. Therefore, if you keep reading, therefore King Darius signed the document and injunction. No pausing to think. No taking the time to read over the law. The flattery worked. Just a silly guy. He signs it immediately into law, and the trap was set. Now these men know, like, all right, well, we can have Daniel killed. We can get away with it. And if you keep reading, when Daniel knew that the document had been signed, he went to his house where he had windows in his upper room, uh, upper chamber, open toward Jerusalem. 
he got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God. And Daniel sought after God even when he knew that death could come of it. Death would come of it. My first thought when I read that, I was like, Daniel, just close the windows. Like, put a blind up or something, you know, like you're doing it so that everybody can see. But Daniel endured in his faith. And if you just look at the rest of verse 10, he got, he got down on his knees three times a day to pray and give thanks before his God as he had done previously. This prayer, this devotion to God was not Daniel's emergency crisis response to what was going on. His response was simply to do everything he was already doing. When God calls you and I to have faith in a terrifying place, in a place of we're falling down into this lines and we're being thrown into it, our response should look like everything we're already doing. So the edict was made, the law was passed, um, and Daniel looks at the clock and he notices uh, there's time to pray, and he goes. He's like, oh, uh, uh, death's going to come of this, yeah, but I'm going to pray. Daniel was faithful day to day up to this point, and he's not going to stop now. Like He's already burned this into his muscle memory of what he's going to do every day, and he's going to do it. But Daniel wasn't doing all this to overthrow the government uh, because he thought the government was corrupt, even though we do see that it was corrupt. Uh, the distinction is that he committed a crime. He did not commit a sin. So he committed a crime against the king, but not a sin against the king. He would wake up and pray. When lunchtime would roll around and all of his satrap buddies are like, hey, Daniel, we're going to go get some bread. Do you want to come with us? And he's like, no, I, I'm going to go pray. Um, I'll catch you guys later. Then at some point in the evening, again, for the third time in the day, he stopped whatever he was doing and he prayed. He did the same thing for nearly 80 years. Daniel endured day to day, over and over again in his faith. Uh, I actually endured once. <laughs> you guys are proud of me, I can see. Um, for three months straight, actually, I endured. Uh, out of nowhere, I had this just amazing idea that I was going to eat nothing but chips and salsa for every meal, breakfast, lunch, dinner. I was just going to eat chips and salsa for the whole month. And I did. Breakfast, lunch, dinner. That's all I ate for an entire month. Then the next month, I decided, well, uh, you know, I'm getting kind of tired of chips and salsa. Let's do something else. So I picked Cheez-Its. I ate Cheez-Its for breakfast, lunch, and dinner every day. I mean, it was just a thing that I did. And when that month was up, Lucky Charms. I just ate Lucky Charms for every meal um, for an entire month. And for, for anybody out there who's thinking, you know, that sounds fun, <laughs> if there is anybody out there, um, I haven't had a single Cheez-It <laughs> or a bowl of Lucky Charms since that day, like since those days ran up. I just, they, there's something about them that just throw me off. Um, I still eat chips and salsa because we live in a beautiful time where um, salsa is being perfected pretty much every day and chips are great. Um, my, my two for 20 appetizer, chips and salsa. Um, 
but I, I, I know that it, it probably took like two to three years off of my lifespan. Um, but man, I, I was faithful to that diet. Like I, I endured that whole thing. Um, now, it's, it's not hard to be faithful to some things. And we all get this. Like it, some of us have never missed an episode of our favorite show. Um, but it's super easy because the enemy knows that it has no lasting impact. Like the me eating something like that for a month and then the next month and the next month. Like, that's just silly. Why would that be, why would the enemy look at that and think, you know what, I'm going to try to stop this. Uh, He's like, yeah, go ahead, man. Um, So if you and I, like if we have anything that comes super just naturally to us um, and we we find it super easy to be devoted to it, I would say just check that. Um, like we should ask ourselves, like how does this help our devotion to God? Just a quick side note. But uh, devotion and faithfulness to God is hard. Prayer is hard. Like Paul mentions it, he's like, labor with me in prayer. It is a job, it is hard. But remember the promise. God will rescue and deliver those who are faithful day to day over and over and over again. So what about you? In what ways can you grow in your day-to-day faithfulness to God? What's the, what's the first step that you could take today that you could also take tomorrow and then the next day that will help your devotion to and your faith in God? Because we need faithful endurance day to day, but we also need faithful endurance through our suffering. Number two. Uh, If you look at verse 11. Then these men came by agreement and found Daniel making petition and plea before his God. So all this is about to go down. Like they, They see him, they catch him, the trap is about to be set. He's about to go through a lot of suffering. Then they came near and said before the king concerning the injunction, O king! Did you not sign an injunction that anyone who makes petition to any god or man within 30 days except to you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions? The king answered and said, The thing stands fast according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be revoked. Then they answered and said before the king, Daniel, who is one of the exiles from Judah. They don't call him by his uh, satrap uh, title. like They're calling out his ethnicity to dehumanize him. He's not one of us, king. He pays no attention to you, O king, or the injunction you have signed, but makes his petition three times a day. Then the king, when he heard these words, was much distressed. He knew that he had been tricked at this point. He's like, oh, I, I know what just happened. I got tricked. So he set his mind to deliver Daniel, and he labored till the sun went down to rescue him. Then these men came by agreement to the king and said to the king, Know, O king, that it is a law of the Medes and Persians that no injunction or ordinance that the king establishes can be changed. And the king commanded, and Daniel was brought and cast, literally thrown, an 80-year-old man, into the den of lions. The king declared to Daniel, May your God, whom you serve, continually deliver you. The man who allowed himself to be treated as a god is now hoping that the God of Daniel will do what he could not do. And a stone was brought and laid on the mouth of the den 
which blows my mind. Like, is an 80-year-old man, is he, they think he's going to jump out, I guess. And the king sealed it with his own signet and with the signet of his lords that nothing might be changed concerning Daniel. Then the king went to his palace and spent the night fasting. No diversions, which just means entertainment, were brought to him, and sleep fled from him. Now, we don't get this story from Daniel's perspective, but can you imagine that? You're 80 years old. Like it, it takes you time and preparation to just get out of bed sometimes. When you bend down to pick something up, you think, you know, what else could I get while I'm down here? And th- these men have just literally picked you up, thrown you into a pit where they keep lions, and you know that they don't feed those things properly. You hit the rock hard, rock at the bottom, then they start to roll this stone over it. The light starts to escape. But just before it does, just before it's completely gone, you look around you, and it's just a din of something that looks like that. And they see you. And then your light's gone. Mortgage and car issues don't sound so bad at this point. And there is no earthly hope for Daniel, and the king knows this. He cancels his entertainment. He loses his sleep. He doesn't even touch his food. And then if you keep reading. Then at the break of day, the king arose and went in haste to the den of lions. As he came near to the den, he's not even there yet, where Daniel was, he cried out in a tone of anguish. The king declared to Daniel, O Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to deliver you from the lions? And I'm sure to everyone's amazement who was standing there, and you know that the government officials, like all of them were there too, probably brought all of their families to see, oh, look at all the good things we just did. Daniel said to the king, from the pit, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the lion's mouths And they have not harmed me because I was found blameless before him and also before you, O king, I've done no harm. Then the king was exceedingly glad and commanded that Daniel be taken up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den and no kind of harm was found on him because he trusted in his God. God rescues Daniel. Why? Because Daniel trusted in his God. He was faithful to God right smack dab in the middle of his suffering. There was a, uh, there was a pastor in China who he faced some, some just severe persecution. It looked a, a little something like this. For uh, weeks of torture, including electrocution, starvation, beatings, and having needles shoved under his fingernails, he was thrown in a box that was four feet long, three feet wide, and four feet high where he would stay indefinitely. The day after he was put in his mini cell, he felt prompted to pray for a Bible, which is ridiculous because that's what the people are in prison for, was having stuff like that. Yet he prayed anyway, and inexplicably, for no reason at all. It doesn't make any sense. The guards, one of the guards, threw a Bible into his little box. 
And this, he writes this. I knelt down and wept, thanking the Lord for this great gift. I could scarcely believe my dream had come true. No prisoner was ever allowed to have a Bible or any Christian literature. Yet strangely, God provided a Bible for me. Through this incident, the Lord showed me that regardless of men's evil plans for me, he had not forgotten me and was in control of my life. In the middle of that mess, God is there. Neither Daniel nor this pastor in China, they didn't look for their way out. They just did what they had already done. They wanted to spend time with their God. And both of these men were rescued. What this pastor and what Daniel understand is that if they endure in their faithfulness through their suffering, God will save them. So what about you? In what ways can you remain faithful to God in the middle of your suffering? What can you start doing today that you can use when your next bit of suffering comes? Because it's coming. remember the promise if you and I are faithful to God through all of the suffering that this life will bring and it's going to bring a lot of it then God will deliver us God will rescue us but here's the reality you and I man we are terrible at being faithful this story is not our story our story would not be written here We wouldn't have been chosen as the faultless person at work. Uh, We would have just, like me, just closed a window or prayed behind a curtain or just moved over a little bit so that nobody could see us. Um, And if a high-ranking official came into the room and asked us to go against God, even in a very small and subtle way, or die, I feel like we might choose the way against God. You and I are wicked people with terrible amounts of faith, there's no way that we will be delivered without Jesus. Because you see, we're not actually following the example of Daniel so much as we are following the example of Jesus Christ. The story was here for Old Testament believers uh, to have a picture of what was to come in Jesus, but you and I, we get Jesus. Jesus was conspired against, and they could also find no basis for charge against him. And when Jesus was conspired against, he too remained faithful. In the midst of the impending death, Jesus went to the garden to pray just as he had done previously. King Darius tried very unsuccessfully to rescue Daniel. Pilate tries very unsuccessfully to rescue Jesus. Jesus was laid into a pit. A stone was rolled over the entrance, and his tomb was also sealed. Jesus is the true and better Daniel, who having been lowered into a lion's den of death, emerges early the next morning, alive and rescued by his God. And Jesus, when he's up on the cross, he quotes Psalm 22 when he says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And in the very same psalm, the psalmist writes these words, Save me from the mouth of the lion. 
Jesus endured in his faith. Day to day, every day, and through his suffering. And the only way that you and I will ever see deliverance is by trusting in the one who endured in faith and was delivered on our behalf. In the greatest rescue mission in history, God comes to get us. He was there in the fire with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He was there with the pastor from China as his word. He was there in the pit with Daniel, and he's here with you and I. Jesus is our deliverance. If, like Daniel, we trust in him, Jesus is our deliverance. If we have faith in him, But the sad part of this story and the sad part of of our story is that not everyone will be delivered. If you uh, pick it up in verse 24. And the king commanded and those men who had maliciously accused Daniel were brought and cast into the den of lions they, their children, and their wives. And before they reached the bottom of the den, the lions overpowered them and broke all their bones in pieces. Their God delivered them too unto death. Not us, not our job, not a new job, not retirement, not our spouse, not Prince Charming, not a new wife, Uh, not a better set of kids, not no kids at all, not, uh, not our kids, not a group of friends, not a friend. Nothing here delivers us anywhere except to death. And I think one man gets it in the story. I think he sums up the entire chapter well in verse 25. Then King Darius wrote to all the peoples, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth, Peace be multiplied to you. I make a decree that in all my royal dominion, people are to tremble and fear before the God of Daniel. For he is the living God, enduring forever. His kingdom shall never be destroyed and his dominion shall be to the end. He delivers and rescues. He works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. He who has saved Daniel from the power of the lions. The king saw all of this with Daniel and he got caught up in the God of Daniel. The truth of the matter is we either trust in Jesus and are delivered from death or we trust in something else and are delivered to death. If you are not a believer in Jesus, or if you're just not sure, make today the day. All it takes is an admission of how messed up you are without Jesus, how you need a rescue mission from Jesus, and a belief that God loves you and desires to come and rescue you because of Jesus. For all of us, we either suffer in this life or we suffer in the life to come. And a pit of lions is nothing compared to God's eternal wrath. But the grace to us all 
that Jesus was faithful because, we, because he knew that we would not be. Jesus remained faithful every day and through suffering so that when it came time for us to be weighed in the balance, we might be found wanting nothing. In the pit of fire or of lions, our God is more powerful than death and he proved it on the cross and out of the tomb. And God, when he looks at you, when he looks at me, he sees nothing but Christ's perfect faith. If this Christ is ours. Now, in celebrating this fact, we're going to take communion together. We're going to uh, take the Lord's Supper together. And if, if this Jesus is yours, you're welcome to the table. But if this Jesus is not yours, if you have not made Jesus your own, or if you're not really sure, I ask that you remain in your seats. Because this sacrament is a picture of the suffering of Jesus on our behalf. So if this Jesus is not yours, that is not yours to partake in. But if he did suffer for you, then this sacrament is for you. And parents, I know we have kids. Uh, you are the arbiter, arbiter of faith for your kids. You decide whether or not they take communion. Uh, but as we do, here's our prayer. Father, thank you for Jesus who has come to rescue me. Would you let that truth help my faith today, tomorrow, and forevermore, no matter what comes. So uh, grab the elements, bring them back to your seat, and we'll take them together here in a minute. There's actually one verse that we didn't talk about. Verse 28, it says, So this Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus the Persian. After his deliverance, after God rescues him, and he prospers. And so this verse where it says, So this Daniel prospered during the reign is now, so you and I are going to prosper during the reign of Jesus. And that never ends. All because on the night when he was betrayed, he took some bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way also, he took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your immense grace to us. That you would send your son as a, on a mission to get us. We know just how sinful and how lack of or unfaithful we are to you and yet you come. Would you help our faith moving forward? And we give you thanks. And we give you praise and honor and glory. All the reverence that we can, we give it to you. 
look forward to getting to sit at the table, breaking bread, drinking wine together forever. We thank you. And it's in Jesus we pray. Amen.